The Oklahoma Sooners added Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, big transfer portal target, sack artist, TFL artist. What does that mean for the Sooners? Plus, one transfer portal target the Sooners did not get on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. We welcome Chris Plank with us to break it all down on this edition of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big news for the Oklahoma Sooners. We were wondering if the Oklahoma Sooners would find a way to, to get this transfer portal edition of Rondell Bothroyd. Well, they have gotten Wake Forest transfer Rondell Bothroyd. He announcing tonight that that would be the case. If you missed it, graphic. It looked like this be uncommon for the birthday boy, Rondell Bothroyd, Josh Elmer of the Plank Show of, of course, Locked On Sooners. And we welcome in my partner in crime every Monday through Friday on the Plank Show, Chris Plank. Plank, man, what an ad for Oklahoma out of the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, you know, they needed something. And, you know, you got the Deshaun McCullough ad, which is a big deal as far as guys that we view as, you know, I, I say rush in, but uh, edge rusher, however you want to phrase it. But then you, you hear people talk about him maybe being one of those guys that could be a cheetah as well, too, and McCullough. Um, I, I think this is a true pass rusher. I think this is a guy that you bring in as an edge that will I be in Miguel Chavis's room. Um, have a chance to be a difference maker, but uh, I, I say that, and you know, you you just don't know. Brent Venables always finds a way to put his best players on the field in the best position to make plays historically, right? And you know, maybe this guy ends up bulking up a little bit more and and on the interior. What the the numbers that that we had on him, pretty impressive sack numbers, right? And tackles for losses. Um, and, and I got to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of tape of him. But I, I talked to a couple – I got a couple of friends that work at Wake Forest, and they just spoke glowingly about this kid um, as far as his personality and uh, what he can bring. About 24 and a half tackles for losses, 15 and a half sacks. You know, he, he only has one year of – he only has one year left. And as you mentioned, it's, it's his birthday. But I think this guy, you know, the hope is that you can get started a little bit faster than maybe what Jeffrey Johnson did last year, right? Jeffrey Johnson had a really good latter part of the season, but it took him so long to get there. So you, you kind of hope that – and the same thing with Jonah Laula. So your hope is that he can get in there and, and get things started out early and be a big difference maker sooner rather than later because I think he's got a chance to play a lot. Agreed. I mean, look, like you said, the TFLs, the sack numbers – that's that's what jumps out right away. And just the fact, Plank, that he's played so much Power 5 football has to be really, really exciting for OU. Yeah, and, you know, I, I sit here and and, and, I'm, and I start thinking about position. You know, I start thinking, could he end up being maybe a backer? I don't know. Could he be a guy that they like in space? It's just, to me, and what I've just learned about this kid and what I've watched, I, I think he's got the potential to be – I think he's got the potential to be a dude for him. And Oklahoma needs some dudes uh, on their roster here in 2023 uh, into 20. Well, and he wouldn't be a part of 24. But, you know, every time I see someone like this, it comes in. Uh, fans have a choice, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, he's a Wake Forest guy. We're going to get in Wake Forest, people. Why do we need that? Well, heck, Sam Hartman just went to Notre Dame and is going to be their starting quarterback next year. So 
to me, I like the idea of getting a guy like this. So, you know, you don't have to rush anyone in as a, as a freshman. He can take some time to learn that position. Um, you're not reaching on somebody. I mean, this is a guy that from everything that we've learned, Oklahoma had, had targeted as soon as his name was in the portal. So that's exciting to me, especially Josh, you and I talk about it every day from nine to noon on the ref. You know, we've had a laundry, I mean, a laundry list of dudes at the receiver position that we've seen Oklahoma go after, and they just weren't able to to get anyone. So when you see that laundry list of, uh, of wide receivers and those misses, it makes you kind of excited whenever you see a defensive lineman or, or an edge guy or wherever they're going to put him come in and, and have an opportunity to be a difference maker, uh, and they actually get him that they had targeted. So I think it's a big get. I'm glad you mentioned what you said about certain fans, and I, and I – Look, I, I read the comments here on Locked On Suitors. I read the text line over at the Rep Radio Network. <laughs> I do understand there's a faction of the fan base that kind of gets caught up in, oh, it's a, a Wake Forest kid or sure. it's not a blue chip kid. I don't think that's the majority of fans. I think most fans understand, well, let's trust the evaluation process of this coaching staff. I look no further than, you know, another recent ad in this uh, transfer portal hall for Oklahoma. Caleb Schaefer, right? He comes yep. from Miami of Ohio for Oklahoma. But guess what? Bill Biedenboe's made a, a killing out of the transfer portal here of late. I know that that's not really been group of five players that he's brought on board for OU, but I guess what I'm saying is whether it's a group of five player, whether you're getting a transfer from Alabama or USC or Michigan or Ohio State or Wake Forest, I'm going to trust that this staff plank is identifying players that can come in and help them. And obviously that's the hope right here with Rondell Bothroyd. Yeah. Dude, now I, I mean, I'm thinking more and more, where do you see him projecting Josh? Do you see him in Chavis's room? Could he be in Ted Roof's room? I mean, it, I don't see him. I mean, he's six, three, two fifty. I mean, we're looking at guys that are hovering at like 300 pounds now to be in that interior in Todd Bates room. So I don't see him bulking up and going inside by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's, He's coming in to be an edge guy, right? In in, in what you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I think, think so. the the sack numbers, the TFLs, right? The the body type sort of lends you to believe that he, like Trace Ford, Oklahoma's tried to go find a couple of guys that they can stick on the outside to. Because guess what? Rushing the passer plank was not necessarily a strong point for Oklahoma in 2022. So I think it's you know when Oklahoma's kind of gone out and. You know, we've talked about wide receivers. Maybe they've swung and missed a little bit. But I think it's been a clear indication from this staff plank, whether it's even a McCullough that it feels like could play all over for Oklahoma, whether he's a linebacker, whether he's a cheetah, if they do want to stand him up and rush him from the edge. One clear point from this staff, I think, from the transfer portal season is that, look, man, they want some people that can come rush the passer. Right. Yep. And, you know, back to your original point, um, I'm with you. I I don't really care too much about where they came from and where they played. Um, if this staff, I mean, if there is one thing that I feel like we've seen from, they know what they want. Brent Venables knows what he wants. Miguel Chavis knows dudes. And, you know, you saw it in flashes with Jonah Lola. You saw it in flashes with Jeffrey Johnson. You know, you saw it in flashes with a couple of other guys, you know, CJ Colden on the defensive side of the football. Now, you know, with a year in um, and and another year under their belt for those younger guys to come. And I, I don't care where you're coming from. If it's, you know, Tulane would kind of be something you'd laugh at in the past, right? But I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's Maine. I don't care if it's Miami of Ohio. Get me some dudes in here. And I, I like this kid a lot. Now, some would say he, he'd been in the 
portal since the 26th, you know, what, what took so long. I, I think this, this young man really had a bunch of opportunities that he was looking at. I think this is a good battle that Oklahoma won. We'll see, right? Not every, not every dude that you take out of the portal is going to be a home run. And not every guy that you take out of the portal is an instant starter. Some of them are depth. And we saw they, by the end of the season, only had five guys in that rotation at edge rusher. And our Mason Thomas probably was thrust into that a little bit sooner than what they wanted. So now, you know, maybe, you know, Strip getting a little bit healthier and having Marcus Stripling back with Lula, with our Mason Thomas, with another year of Reggie Grimes, uh, Ethan Down staying healthy. You now add this young man to the mix. And, you know, we've seen – Again, we'll see where McCullough ends up, but I, I just, I really like how they've remade that defensive line, and you are putting athletes in there. I don't care where they came from. I want dudes that are going to go get the quarterback and set the edge on the run, and uh, I think you're getting guys in there to do that. Definitely want to just get some of your thoughts on Dylan Gabriel announcing his return, and Marvin Mims obviously not sticking around. That had been debated for so long. Just one final question, and I think you on the transfer portal. I think you talked mm-hmm. about a lot of this right there, Plank, but just generally speaking defensively, what Oklahoma has done. Obviously, Bothroyd is the latest name to go along with Trace Ford with Reggie Pearson out of Texas Tech. McCullough, who we've talked a lot about, uh, out of Indiana. Lacey from Notre Dame. So you can you can go big picture the whole uh, set of additions out of the transfer portal, but just kind of defensively, what, what do you make of what OU's done so far? Yeah, um, d- defensively in general, and you know, you and I have uh, worked together on our nice little handy dandy Google Doc that we use just to see some of the guys that have been added to the mix. I think that you know, I get caught up in in not talking enough about the addition of Reggie Pearson Jr. And I, I, again, you know, I I'm going to go back to health with some dudes. I don't know how healthy Key Lawrence was a majority of the season last year. Um, but I know that his flashes are impressive. He needs to be more consistent. So when I think of a Reggie Pearson getting into that mix with a Billy Bowman, and we hope a Robert Spears Jennings, and listen, I, I understand bringing up Justin Broyles is is something that people are like, oh, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. But Broyles made some plays this year, right? I mean, I, I like the kid a lot. I think he's going to be around quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that doesn't end up helping out in coaching in say some way, shape, or form in his career and in his life. He's a good motivator. But, you know, you have a chance to upgrade at that position. So, number one, I like what they've done at safety and bringing in Pearson. And, again, we'll see what that cheetah position looks like. I mean, everyone, now that Deshaun White is gone, some think, oh, it's just Canick that's going to slide in there. I tend to think Canick's going to be a backer. Um, and that that's going to be Justin Harrington and maybe McCall another. So, you bring in Deshaun McCullough, that's a big deal. I, I love that, you know, Trace Ford to me, you know, we can go on the defensive side and we can talk about um, all the freshmen that are coming in, but I'm not counting on the freshmen, you know, just because of how we've seen the, dare I say, hesitance to, to rely on freshmen too terribly much. But I'll tell you what, I, I think in what Oklahoma has done, just in the portal specifically defensively, I think one of the greatest additions is, is Trace Ford. Now, this could be a bust, right? Because Trace, I love him to death, and I think he's a good player, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So to me, this is a situation where if that dude stays healthy, he's shown that he is an all-Big 12. He's an elite performer. Um, so I love what they've done defensively, right? I, I'd i love to see a little bit more of beef in the interior, so maybe that's what Jacob Lacey can add. Maybe there's a couple of other dudes that continue to – 
uh, grow, and and we'll see if you know Grayson Holton can be that guy. Uh, and, and if Jordan Kelly, as I'm sitting here as we're taping this, I don't know if he's officially said anything, but um, I'm I'm a really big fan of what they've gone out and they've done to try to improve this defense because if there is anything that we know, Josh, it's that um, Brent Venables wants to have a he wants to have a rock star caliber defense and. Uh, they're not going to stop until they get the dudes here that they feel confident in going out and making those plays. And we could talk defense of Oklahoma and the you know moves that they've made this offseason so far, really for another 45 minutes. And we'll do that probably. We could. <laughs> we'll <do that laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> but we do have to. We do have to move on. Do have to. Do have to move on. I want to get your thoughts on Dylan Gabriel coming back, Marvin Mims going pro, and then unfortunately, I guess the the other news to report would be that Matt Lee who is a center target, chose Miami instead of Oklahoma. So we can share a little bit of thoughts on that. First, let me tell you, thank you to LinkedIn, bringing us this uh, show every single night, linkedin.com backslash locked on college, where you can post your job for free. What do you want to get accomplished when you're hiring folks? Well, you want to hire the right people, right? You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to swing and a miss. Transfer portal here and there. Maybe you could swing and miss once or twice and be okay with it. When you're hiring people, no, no swings and misses allowed. So go to linkedin.com backslash lockdown college where you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So just real quickly, I don't know how much time we necessarily need to spend on this portion plank, but uh, Matt Lee, we, we saw – Dylan Gabriel, right? I don't remember. He went through a a series of memes. <laughs> I don't remember which one applied to Matt Lee, but it was clear because of the UCF connection. It was an easy, easy piece of yarn to take from one side to the other that maybe Oklahoma was going to be heavily involved here. Obviously, the domino doesn't fall OU's way in this uh, particular transfer portal deal. He goes to Miami. Uh, your, your thoughts on the impact here for Oklahoma? Uh you know, it was interesting, uh, Josh. I had, I had thought a lot about what Lee could do just in general, right? I mean, who could he come in and be a guy that you put at center, and then you can maybe move Andrew Rame to guard? Um, so I had already pegged him in to be a starter <laughs> at center and let you know Rame get into a more natural position for him, but. Um, I honestly thought this might be a slam dunk. I'm not even kidding. So I was really shocked whenever you told me. I had missed it from this weekend that he had been a guy that went ahead and committed to Miami. So, you know, Oklahoma's they've they've been busy in trying to get some – you know, you and I have talked about it on our show um, on the ref pretty consistently, but they have been all over trying to bring in receivers. But also in that, they've been all over some offensive line dudes, right? Uh, the reported interest in Javian Cohen, who ends up in Miami. Um, Keandre Jones, who goes from Auburn to Florida. Dylan Way, the standout from Tulsa, who ends up at Auburn. Um, now Matthew Lee, who ends up on his way to Miami. And I know that, you know, you and John had debated a little bit who's more important to you for them to get Matthew Lee or Walter Rouse. I, I, I would still say, beyond my own mind projecting – projecting that Matt Lee was going to come in and he was going to be a dude that was going to start at center form and, and, and maybe kick Ray out to guard. I still think it's better to have that experience at tackle coming in because Ray's going to be healthy. He's had now three years in the system with Bill Biedenboe and has been a starting center for basically what two of those. Uh, I know he got hurt last year, but you know, I, I get to work with one of the greatest centers in Oklahoma history every game day and just about every day 
on Big 12 radio. And, and even he had talked about how Rame had started to, to, to progress this year and started to get a little bit better. So that, that to me, all right, beyond this whole my idea of Matthew Lee at center and getting Rame at guard, that to me, Josh says, okay, we got Rame back if he's healthy at center, Oklahoma, Rame at center. We'll see what happens at those guard positions. You know, Matara, I think, showed in the bowl game that, all right, he can be a dude. He just needs to be more consistent. You know, we'll – I I'm I think Savion Bird, he got a lot of people excited at that other guard spot, right? So now with Guyton, um, Aaron Parks, you know Jake Taylor, you know, it's going to be a while before we see the uh, the other Jake, whose name I always forget on our show, Sexton, Jacob Sexton. Uh, but you add a, a a tackle and Rouse if they can get him, that to me is a big deal. That's experience. That makes you feel a little bit better about things. So, um. I would probably say it sucks because it just seems so natural with the relationship that Lee had with Dylan Gabriel. But I, I would probably, and I'm glad that we didn't want to talk about this very long and I filibustered for like three minutes on it. But I would say for, for you guys in, in your conversation you had, Josh, I'm all in on still wanting to end up getting Rouse and being a little bit more important than Lee. And my whole rationale with that was, and, you know, I'm going to try and start mixing this in going forward. The YouTube commenter, of the day because somebody sort of maybe like totally reversed my thought process. Well, I mean, come on, this Matt Lee guy is regarded as maybe the top center in the transfer right. portal and you got to get this guy. It's like, well, okay, well maybe you're onto something to me though. My initial thought was with the injury to Sexton and then right. just the fact that you're replacing both Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris, that to me, just based off that need alone seemed pretty important, but obviously you, you would have liked to have gotten both, but now sure. uh, you're down to maybe just the one Dylan Gabriel. Right. His return, level of importance, comfortability that it provides Oklahoma, what does it mean for you? Yeah, it's, it was the most important keep. I mean, it's just – it's that simple. You know, it's it, – I am as as hyped and, and as excited about the, the, the future at the quarterback position as anyone in the Sooner Nation. But I'm, I'm also over the moon pumped that Dylan Gabriel – made that decision to come back because I think he's just going to get better, Josh. He, you know, there were some moments you go back, there's games where he made some, he missed some open dudes. I mean, there's just no, there's no way around it. But I, I think, I know some, some people get up. Well, he's been in Levy's system long enough. He should know it. Oh, I'm not questioning you. But yeah, I've been in Levy's system where you're playing in a league that, you're, you're playing NFL guys on defense every single week. You know, no offense to mama mater, but and, – and he struggled against Tulsa. But, you know, you don't have secondaries like um, what, what, what SMU throws at you, right? You're getting – if you look at this league and what the Big 12 has become, you're getting NFL dudes every week. And by God, TCU's playing in the national championship game. So, a year in Power 5, um, a year to get to know his receivers better, a year where he's a little bit healthier, I, that, that pumps me up. I am – beyond pump about the future of Jackson Arnold. I think he's going to win a national championship at Oklahoma. But I also think that we need to realize it is so – Teddy preaches this. It is so hard. We fall in love with guys in recruiting, and that's fine. I'm guilty of it too. But the, the dudes that play as freshmen are unique. The Tommy Harris's of the world, the Adrian Peterson's of the world. And I know some would say, what about Caleb Williams? You're right. But go back. Caleb Williams was a roller coaster ride, man. That was – that was an experience, and not always in a good way during his freshman season. Nick Saban sat Bryce Young. Um, 
Dabo Sweeney sat Trevor Lawrence. Now, it got to the point where they quickly realized, all right, uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence needs to play. Kelly Bryant's not that dude, and it worked out. Maybe that happens here. I don't know. But for now, for what, you know, I want Oklahoma to compete for a conference championship. I want Oklahoma to be in the four-team playoff next year. I don't think you could go into 2023 saying we're starting a freshman. That freshman could eventually start, Josh, but I don't think you could have gone into the year and just been that green at that position. It gives you time. It gives you experience. I think Dylan's shown a great leadership. I think he's the, his teammates like him. I just think he's – I think it's a big freaking deal, man, that he decided to come back. And I really, truly don't know what kind of decision he really had. He wasn't going to get drafted high. Um, there wasn't a transfer place you could go that wasn't going to be a step down. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that this decision, whatever had to be made, was made that he's coming back. I'm with you. I, I'm officially now for the remainder of the offseason, which we got a few months to go, right, before we boot off. Yeah, we got a little time. <laughs> I am – all in on the idea that, hey, it was his first season in Power 5 football. So it's only – sky's the limit, ladies and gents. It's going to get better. And I think the quarterbacking from Gabriel was, uh, by and large, really, really good. I think we got caught up in a couple of key third downs, four downs sure. that didn't go Oklahoma's way. Marvin Mims uh, obviously does not come back. It felt like, you know, early on before the season, it felt like there's no way he's coming back, right? He might be a first-round, definite second-round guy. And then as the year went on and as the regular season was, you know – approaching its close that momentum swung in the direction of a lot of people feeling like okay he's coming back and then boom you know last minute haymaker and obviously he decides to go to the draft I think he made the right decision for himself but what do you make of what it means for Mims and what do we got in terms of Oklahoma's wide receiver room for next season yeah I am I'll just you you and I talked about this on our show I, I went to Orlando still in the mindset that Marvin Mims was going to be back in 23. Um, I, I I felt that way, you know, early in the season. I'm a mock draft nerd, and it's going to be even worse this year with the Raiders picking seventh, though they'll find a way to blow it. Um, but I I love the draft process. I love the team building process. And Marvin Mims had been talked about as an early round dude heading into the season. I think some places had even projected him as a first round pick. Now. You know, I'm a crazy person for looking at mock drafts in like, I don't know, July before the the NFL, the college football season even starts. But I think as as the year progressed, it became more. All right, I'm I'm kind of digging this college thing, and I don't want my I don't want my last year to be you know a losing season. And I feel really good in this offense. I mean, there were I know the Texas game was frustrating for everyone, but you know there were moments where I think you just look back like. Man, Marvin looks fast. He looks good. Um, but Josh, what I took from my from the trip to Orlando in the bowl game is that, you know, in talking to people going back for a season, there probably wasn't much more he could do. Uh, and I know this sounds terrible, and this isn't an indictment against college football, but there wasn't really much more he could do to improve his stock. He wasn't going to grow three inches. Um, probably wasn't going to knock a, a, a half a second off his 40. And I think he's going to run a good 40 time at the combine. But, uh, and, and maybe, you know, talking to some of the guys that have gone through the process, factored in for him. But I just, I think he got to the point where it was, all right, my time is now. Um, I'm ready to go. Now, for the future of Oklahoma, all right, Jill Farouk, let's go. You're that dude. All right. Uh, Nick Anderson, Jane Gibson, let's go. Drake Stoops is back. We'll see if they end up getting a portal out or not. I hear good things about these freshman receivers. So this is um, 
it's a big opportunity, Josh, for a lot of dudes in that receiver room. And, you know, Braden Willis graduates and moves on to the NFL, but I think Austin Stogner's got a chance in these young tight ends after a year of learning. So, uh, I, I, again, long, long answer to a short, good question. Hate Marvin Mims being gone, excited for his NFL future. I think he felt like that was the best move for him now. I see him as a day-two guy, but I'm also really excited about that depth Oklahoma has coming back in that receiver's room. Now, Josh, who coaches them? Ah, it's a good question. That will be one of the interesting questions of the next uh, several days here. And we'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, speaking of what people are going to be talking about, head on over to betonline.net where, oh, by the way, we got a national championship coming your way. Well, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, we got a national championship coming your way tonight. Betonline.net, your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs. You got just this game, right, to, to bet on college football remaining uh, for the 2022 college football season. I know, obviously, we're into 2023 now. NFL playoffs, uh, they're here. So bet online. Head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet online. That's where the game starts. So just real quick, two final things I, I wanted to touch base with you on, Plank, before we get out of here. I know you got another radio show to get to, and I appreciate you joining ah, me. We on. got time. I appreciate you joining me on Locked On Sooners tonight. National championship. Just talked about it right there. Georgia, TCU. I find myself, my heart of hearts, rooting for TCU. I think Georgia's just the better team and going to win this national championship. How do you see it playing out? It's, I think it's, it's wild. I did, a, I did a show on Sirius XM on Saturday morning where I got done, and I had one dude in my mentions telling me how I was so – terrible in my hate for TCU and how dare you question anything. And then I had another dude that was mad because I was such a homer for the big 12 and there's no way that TCU was going to stay on the field. So I'm like, ah, uh, the health of Kendra Miller, I think is pretty important. You know, we've had varied reports. Um, Max Starks was anchoring some of our Sirius XM coverage and he said it was made, it was made to sound to him like Miller was held out out of an abundance of caution don't know about that, um, but we'll see. You know, I think he's a major part of this. Listen, Max Duggan's got to play better. Max Duggan, Josh, didn't play well against against Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. So I, I think TCU is going to be able to do some things defensively. I really do. I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna give Georgia some problems. But listen, Georgia is they're a wagon right now. So I give TCU a chance to keep it tight. Um, if if I was a gambling man. Bet online, I'd be all about the the number for TCU. But I mean, Josh, how can you pick against the defending national champs when they they look even better than they did defensively last year? That's tough. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm pulling for TCU though. My heart of hearts, I think it'd be awesome. I am too. I am too. And oh, by the way, if you're eliciting those types of responses on both ends of the equation, if it's that polarizing, right. something clearly is, I think, going, <laughs> going absolutely right. <laughs> uh, Patty Gasso, we had her. This is a shameless plug, by the way, for us. Chris Plank, of course, is the voice of Sooner Softball. We had Patty Gasso join us on the Plank Show on Friday. And look, I would love for everybody to every single day, like, subscribe, engage with Locked On Sooners, listen to Plank and I on the ref from 9 to noon every single day. I understand maybe that's not always the case, but this was pretty awesome, Plank. Patty Gasso talking about well, they've had a bunch of key transfer portal additions Oklahoma has themselves. And lo and behold, Plank, when you've won multiple national championships in recent memory and you're going for a three-peat, people don't like when you uh, 
reload via the transfer portal. Anyways, here's what Patty Gasso had to say about that. Portal is something we don't try to live off of the portal. We try to supplement from the portal. And it's funny the approach towards, you know, when people look like, oh, the portal, look at Oklahoma's becoming, you know, this big juggernaut. They go to the portal. Am I supposed to go on the portal and get not the best players? Right. I mean, what <laughs> It just doesn't make sense the way some people view it. The portal is the portal. It will always be the portal. It will not change. And um, if I'm going to the portal, I'm going after the best. And people don't like that. Like, and now you're getting too good. I'm like, what? What does that mean? What, is, what do you mean? So I just keep my head down and I keep grinding and, you know, that's, what we do, but um, it's been good. It's been great for us to experience the ability of these four portal players. Um, I love that. That's so good. We're getting you're getting too good, Oklahoma. Right. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, how, how dare you go get the best of the portal? So, you know, just a little intel for locked on listeners. There were a couple coaching staffs, Josh, that really went out and, and we're spreading some, some BS um, basically trying to frame it as if Oklahoma was in a position to where they were given more spots than they, than they had. And they were supplementing scholarships with NIL money and don't get me wrong, man. NIL has been really good to Sooner softball, um, especially, I mean, you, you go to any of these signings and it's packed with young, with their young, uh, uh, well, their players and young kids wanting autographs. I mean, it's NIL has been really good at softball, but you know, it, it was it was a smear campaign that was going on in the recruiting trail, and people were they were in their feels about it. But I mean, there's a certain part of it to where I I mean I don't blame them because you go out and you get arguably the four biggest targets in the transfer portal. I mean, H Haley Lee from Texas A&M is coming in, and I mean she might play outfield. I mean, she's a she'll give some help at catch and play first, but she might start in the outfield. You know, Sid Sanders, um, all Pac-12 performer with three years of eligibility left, probably going to start at first base. Uh, Alina Torres is fighting for a spot right now, and you and John talked to Alex Taraco, and I mean, if she's healthy and if she's right heading into the season, she's got a chance to be, you know, as as good as anyone in the country. So I, I don't know what people expect Oklahoma to do. The big challenge. Uh, for for a coach Gasso, and I think this is something that she's talked about quite a bit, is you know you're you're entering a spot now where in two seasons you're gonna have a big turnover here, right? That that Tri Jennings class and, and Kinsey Hansen and them, Jada, they're all gonna graduate, and you got to make sure you have those youngsters ready to go. And sure, Oklahoma will continue to get players out of the portal, but I bring that all up because it's gonna be a heck of a balance between you know the time that these players who have come from the portal are getting. Right. And this goes back in you know, the Sabritos of the world who came from Oregon. Now you have the three this year. Um, you've got to make sure that Hannah Core is developing and Quincy Lilio's developing and SJ Guerin and, you know, your young pitchers and your young hitters. I mean, you have to develop these young players. So it's going to be um, a, a challenge. But I also think in that, too, Josh, a fun balance to watch this year for Oklahoma Sooner softball. They're so good, man. And you're so lucky. And Oklahoma, know, right? fans, <laughs> Oklahoma fans are so Ridiculous. blessed to have you on the call. I hope that Thanks, buddy. I hope folks understand how good 
Plank is at, at what he does. I, I get a firsthand see to it every single day. And, you know, Oklahoma fans, obviously, with the radio, they, they get that uh, every single time they listen to Sooner softball. One final thought on, on OU softball before we get out of here. I know we got to wrap this thing. Alex Scarborough tweeted out, what are you, what's the biggest storylines for softball season? Jog my memory here. Like, are you kidding me? We're doing this thing all over again. The biggest storyline is, is Oklahoma three-peating with an undefeated season, okay? I mean, come on. That's the big storyline for college softball. I hate yeah. to say it and, and be that guy, but that's the story. I, I and, and I'll tell you what, you know, I think that, I think that nationally, you know, this is probably going to be the last year that Oklahoma – no, no, they'll have one more year in the Big 12. But I think there's – I think the Big 12 is one of the most fascinating conferences in college softball, Josh. I really do. So, you're right. I mean, the big – are we going to have a three-peat on our hands, something that hasn't been done in a really, really long time? Uh, but also in that, you know, has Oklahoma State been able to replace what it's lost? Or, you know, are they just going to ride Kelly Maxwell again all season long, which she's good enough – to win you know Iowa State is they've got some players now Texas Tech has brought in you know an enthusiastic young coach to kind of try to change the mindset there um you know again Kansas is going to be a struggle but I I look at Baylor and Baylor's going to be better you know this is Texas we play Texas for the national championship and they're better than they were last year. So there might only be seven teams that play softball in the big 12, but Josh, there's a really good chance. Five of them could make the NCAA tournament this year. And, um, you know, Baylor's back, Oklahoma state. Um, obviously I just mentioned Texas, you know, Texas tech, we'll see what they've got, but you know, Oklahoma is the big dog and they're, they're trying to defend their national championship for the third season. But some of their biggest challenges are going to come in conference, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be so fun. Plank, you are the man. I will talk to you Thanks, buddy. in the morning. Have uh, have a great rest of your night, everybody, at Plank Show on social media. And uh, you should be listening to, well, if not for me, then Chris Plank every <laughs> morning at 9 to noon on the Ref Radio Network and, uh, of course, with Sooner Sports. Plank, appreciate it, buddy. Hey, buddy. And I'm Josh Elmer. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, everyone.